Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We have an exciting episode planned for you today as we begin weekly recordings. We'll be talking about the Central Division and what we expect for the upcoming season. We'll be debuting a new segment, and we'll be talking about a couple of new updates, including the Blues team that they're taking to the Traverse City Prospect Tournament. So, that's what we have on the agenda today. Let's get started, and let's go Blues! intro theme was written by our very own Ian Peters, the master of both the music and the baritone. <laughs> Ian, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. I'm, I enjoy the new title, Master of Music. <laughs> and the baritone. And the baritone, excuse yes. me. Yes, well, you don't want to leave that out. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everyone. We're glad that you are with us on this Thursday evening or Friday morning or Saturday afternoon, whenever you choose to <laughs> Let's listen name to all the days. <laughs> this is uh, the Two Guys No Cup podcast, and we are excited because we are starting to record weekly episodes from here on out because it's September. Right. <laughs> As Ian shakes his hands, we are recording weekly. We are also planning in the upcoming weeks to move towards one-hour podcast recordings so that we don't bore you to tears. Or something like that. There'll just be more blues stuff to talk about where we don't really have to, you know, go around the league all the time. Although, we'll, you know, we'll touch other teams. Touch Poke them with a stick from afar. Uh, We have a lot on the docket today that we've already hinted at, so let's get started by talking about some blues news. Kind of a minor tangential blues topic, but one that's pretty interesting is that the blues have a new beat reporter... Uh, with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. It was announced probably a week ago, probably not long actually after the last podcast, uh, Jim Jim Rutherford, not Jim Rutherford, <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford, uh, began announcing that he was moving from the Post-Dispatch, the St. Louis newspaper, and was kind of keeping his next venture quiet. Uh, it's been announced that he's moving to The Athletic, which is an online subscription-based sports news site. Uh, along with uh, Pierre Lebrun and the the beat reporter from the uh, Minnesota Star Tribune, what was his name? Uh, I just remember his last name was Russo. Okay, yeah, and I'm sure some others. It sounds like the Athletic are making a big play to cover some hockey, which is great because it's probably the least covered sport in a lot of ways. Uh, but that does mean that the Blues, or at least the Post Dispatch, loses uh, Jeremy Rutherford. And he will be replaced by Jim Thomas, who has been a very good reporter in the past working on the uh, formerly named St. Louis Rams. He was their beat reporter for a long time and was very skilled. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he knows about hockey, but I, you know the tweets I've seen him send out so far have been encouraging. Sounds like he knows his stuff. He's a very good reporter, so hopefully they won't miss a beat there. Do you have anything more to 
comment on that. I was just curious, what do you has he been with the post dispatch in between the Rams leaving and I th- now? I think he's been just kind of a general sports okay. guy there. Yeah, I don't know no, what I've, he's been doing as well. I've heard nothing but good things, so yeah. I'm sure he'll take a little bit. I know who is it, Dan O'Neill and uh, Tom Timmerman, I'm sure will kinda of help him out mm-hmm. in the yeah. interim. But yeah. And I uh, Thomas was it's gonna be easy, we can just call him J T instead of JR. <laughs> uh, Thomas was just really a, a hound dog when it came to Blues or Graham's uh, relocation stuff and really covered that well, so I'm sure he'll cover the Blues well. Uh, hopefully he'll never have that topic to cover. <laughs> and I think, I think also, just to mention with JR moving the Athletic, you just mentioned in a little article, I guess on the Athletic for free, because I guess you can just read it, because it's kind of like a public service announcement of, I'm on the Athletic, you know, mm-hmm. here's why I made the decision, but he kind of went into talking about how he's going to be able to cover... The Blues a little bit more in depth. He's not just gonna have to be a beat writer where it's just you know stats and the the story up front. He's gonna be able to kind of dig into, um, you know, analytics or or bigger stories for the team. So that's kind of nice to sort of have both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love Jr. and we'll miss some of the stuff he does, like the chats. But uh, JT will be taking those over <laughs> and we'll be in good hands, I'm sure. And. Uh, JR will do good work for the Atlantic or Athletic, not the. Atlantic. I know we're, I'm going to try I'm and call do that, that too. a lot, a whole lot. So, uh, so moving on to some other Blues news, the Traverse City uh, Prospect Tournament starts tomorrow up in Minnesota, the state of hockey, as uh, I'm told. Michigan, uh, Michigan, the Minnesota other state the of other hockey, state of hockey. <laughs> you know, Michigan, Minnesota. I'm They're, not very smart. They are pretty much the same state. That's true. They both have lakes kind of there. Um, North. I'm just going to stop talking about <laughs> geography. Uh, the Blues are taking a team of uh, many of their top prospects, including Clem Costin, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Tage Thompson, Alexei Toropchenko on offense, uh, Bork and Noel, the two uh, defensive prospects that they drafted late this summer. Uh, as well as Tommy Vanelli and Jake Wallman and Nico Mikola. So uh, it should be interesting to see how the Blues do in that tournament. There's, uh, you know, there will be teams from other NHL squads heading off, facing off with their top prospects. Uh, what are you going to be keeping an eye on? We'll obviously have more in-depth coverage of this next week after the tournament concludes, but what are you going to be focusing on in this uh, week of action. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to see what Jake Wallman looks like, mm-hmm. especially against other teams' competition. They said he looked great in the rookie camp, and I think he's been there before um, anyways, but it's just great. To, it'll be great to see him against stronger competition. Him and uh, Clem Costin, because Clem hasn't played... The guy who's going to be yeah. our second line <laughs> not, forever. Not this year. Um <laughs> Yeah, because he didn't play even in the scrimmages at all at the rookie camp, so he's been cleared to play. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see what he's like. I've looked at highlight videos, and those, you know, those are just kind of hard to judge somebody by, so it'll be cool to see. Um, I want to see Tage Thompson because, to me, he feels like a tall tie ratty. Now, that could be completely oh boy wrong, <laughs> but that's just my weird gut feeling. And it could go the other way after a week, Although but I'm, I'm a tie, curious. a tall tie ratty is kind of an oxymoron. So. Yeah, it's also just a better tie ratty, <laughs> period. That's probably going a little too far, but I'm 
he seems like um, an asset that had a strong or like a high ceiling, and he's kind of wavered a little yeah. as far as what he can do or what people are seeing. So I'm just interested to see what he brings. We'll see, yeah. And Trevor City is the kind of place where you could make or change a reputation like that. So that's sure. good. And we'll obviously, as I mentioned, have more coverage on that in the coming weeks. It'll be a big topic, certainly next week and maybe after that. Uh, so we're gonna the last bit of NHL news we want to discuss that won't be part of the Central Division segment is the new rule that was put into place this morning. Uh, the NHL announced that there is now going to be a two-minute minor penalty for uh, teams who wrongfully, I guess, challenge yeah. an offsides call that wasn't made. So we've seen, obviously, starting, I think it really started two years ago in the playoffs uh, when, well, that started with the cameras, at least, mm-hmm. when they... Uh, uh, we announced coaches' challenges for offsides calls. So the issue here is, you know, if a puck is brought in offside and a goal is scored, the coach can challenge to say that it was offside and not a goal. Now, I've always hated that anyway because offside really is only important for, like, the first five seconds of a zone entry mm-hmm. maybe. And if a puck is brought in offsides and held in the zone for 35 seconds and then a goal is scored... The offside had nothing to do with it. However, uh, the league has reacted, I think, ridiculously (laughs) in this situation. Uh, We're not going to do a full five-minute major on it, but since it's a two-minute minor, I'm just, I I don't know. I feel really strongly about this, and I feel strongly about it in every sport. I don't understand this line leagues try to walk between making the right calls, which you would think is the goal of video review, and yet punishing coaches and teams for wanting the right call made. Like, the NFL does it by only allowing two challenges. Mm -hmm. Baseball has this weird series of rules where you get two challenges before the seventh inning, but then, like, another challenge (laughs) if your first challenge is right. Every league is weird about this. And now this is the most ridiculous thing that you are not, you're not going to see. You're just not going to see this challenge a single time this year, I don't think. Why not just take it out then? If you lose the challenge, if you lose, if you lose the challenge review, you were just scored on and now you're putting yourself on the penalty kill. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, unless it's a late game situation where, you know, you either win the challenge or you lose anyway. There's no possible advantage to making this challenge. And I just don't understand the logic of, well, we want to get the call right, but we don't want coaches... I mean, I understand you want to cut down on frivolous challenges. But at the same time, all of these leagues have a no... like have an indisputable evidence clause in all these challenge rules. And yet they stand there at the camera for five minutes trying to find indisputable evidence of a call, Mm -hmm. which to me, if it's not obvious in 30 seconds, it's not indisputable. So this feels kind of like if the police put out a tip and they said, hey, we're looking for a red Toyota Camry, and somebody called in and said, hey, I saw a Toyota Camry going down the 55 (laughs) at 3.30, and they catch that guy, and it's not the criminal that they're looking for, and then they arrest the person that calls them and says, look, you found the wrong Toyota Camry. (laughs) This seems like what this penalty rule is doing, and I just don't, 
I don't understand it at all. I think it's a huge overreaction to something that wasn't a big problem. If they want to make this happen less, they should probably make their officials make decisions faster, not punish <laughs> coaches for not wanting to make the challenges. Uh, what do you think? Do you have anything to add to I just, that? I, I liked your analogy a lot. The one I was thinking of was, and this might only work for people that play any sort of like online game at all, but it feels like when they nerf something, which is to say they make something bad. They think mm-hmm. they're making an improvement, but it might be something um, not so great. Or even they do it intentionally to balance something out. So they did that with this rule so you could challenge with the first initial rule. And then they come back and they go, oh, well, we've got this new rule. If it's a challenge and you lose it, you get the, you know, the penalty against you. That's like another nerf on top of it. Instead of going, oh, can you buff this part of the game, they go, oh, actually, we heard what you were saying. We just went the opposite direction instead. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's like you're already going to have coaches that decide, well, I'm not going to challenge because I don't want the penalty against me, so I'm only going to challenge when it's clear. Mm-hmm. Well, when it's really clear, they probably made the right call already, <laughs> yeah. so it's probably not even going to exist. Yeah. Good point. So it's going to be right on the line, and they're going to say, no, I'm not going to challenge. So just get rid of the challenge, which is kind of what I thought initially anyways. Just get rid of it. Yeah, or just get it right on the ice, which yeah. I know isn't always possible. But I'll, Why don't you just have a coach's review, or a, a, a ref's review? Yeah. Why don't you just have them decide? I'll go on human error, obviously, until it bites the blues in the butt. But which I'm, it will. Yeah, but in my mind, I always just think... I'll just go with the, oh, human error is part of the sport because, oh, okay, fine. It balances out, I guess, so whatever. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll see how that plays out during the season, and we'll move on. Uh, we promised you a new segment, and a new segment you shall have. Ian, would you like <laughs> to tell the lovely listeners what our new segment is? I guess. Since you're the brainchild behind it. <laughs> I don't want so much pressure. Uh, I guess we'll just call it butthurt or not butthurt. <laughs> And you got to say butt hurter, not butt hurt. Um, so, so where did this come from? Yeah. So to try and make a long story short, there's a morning show on 105.7 The Point, a daily morning show. A local alternative radio station yeah. for those of you who may be listening from outside. of There you go. And um, they, <laughs> they, had, they had two uh, hosts talking about, I believe it was a gender reveal party. And one was talking about, for babies, for like uh-huh. your unborn child. <laughs> and one was talking about how they thought it was a good idea, or they thought it was a fine idea. They didn't really care, you know, one way or the other. And then the main host was talking about how he thought it was dumb. Mm-hmm. It was a new millennial thing, and he thought it was real dumb. And they were making fun of the guy who liked it enough that they hit the little button on their soundboard for butt hurt because he was trying to defend it so much. Uh-huh. And immediately after he hit that button, the other guy just screamed, not butt hurt, and went on defending himself. And it was one of those in-the-moment things that was just way too funny. I almost drove off the road laughing. So maybe it won't be as funny for all of you, but we enjoy it quite a bit. And so how are we going to be using this? So the goal here is to, we're going to talk about some hot-button issues, some news and notes, uh, and just kind of describe how will, especially fans, react to some of these things. Uh, if they go down, some of them are hypothetical, some of them are things that have already happened, and some of them are a mixture. Most of them are a mixture, actually. So... Uh, 
we're going to ask the question, and then Ian's going to count down from three, and then we're just going to say it at the same time. We have no idea what the other person is going <laughs> to say, so we'll respond accordingly. <laughs> so our first question, uh, coming from close to home, uh, the question is, Ian, will St. Louis fans be butthurt, or not butthurt, if Ken Hitchcock <laughs> succeeds with the Dallas Stars? Would you like to do a countdown for Sure. Us? We'll go three... Two, one, butt hurt. Oh, I'm saying butt hurt. I'm glad we disagreed. Uh, Would you like to make your case first? Uh, This is just my feelings on the inside. I don't want to be angry at Ken Hitchcock for succeeding with the Dallas Stars because he did great with us and he's a great coach, uh, Hall of Fame for sure. But there's something about almost, for me, almost any player or coach moving on and immediately having success. I don't know if it's me or if it's being a Blues fan, but part of me is always like, oh, my God, I can't, yeah. why? Yeah, I'm, I'm immediately regretting my not but <laughs> on this one. And so because yeah. I don't think I differenti- differentiated very well between what I like want to be true in my head mm. and what is actually true. What is actually true is that we will all be... Very butter. Like, can you imagine if the Stars beat us in the playoffs? We'll just be furious. Oh, yeah. What I want to say is that we know Ken Hitchcock is a great, all-time great hockey coach. He did wonders here for a young team, and we it was time for him to move on, and now he can do wonders for another team. That's what I want to believe. Mm. But in actuality, you're you're very correct. We'll be, we'll be very it's, angry. It's nothing, it. it's nothing against him. It's just... Like I said, it's almost you anyone for me. It. Yeah, you can't. It's inevitable. Uh, number Question number two. Will the fans of the Winnipeg Jets be butthurt about their uh, recently announced <laughs> extension uh, specifically for GM Kevin Dayoff, although they also uh, extended their coach? Uh, will the Jets fans be butthurt about that extent, contract extension in three years? All right, do it. Three, two, one. Butt hurts. Yeah, for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, why don't you explain? I, Kevin Shovel Dayoff is not a good GM. I feel like. Why don't well, you kind of comment on that a little bit? Well, I had looked up earlier. The Jets. He's been their GM the whole time, right? That they've been up there. I think so. Yeah. As far as I know, he has been. If he you also look, looks like a villain. When he smiles, but go on. He's a funny-looking guy. <laughs> he hasn't made, like, any significant trade on that team. There's been a few. I don't mean to say that they've all been, like, fourth-line guys. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest one was in 2014, 2015, something like that, when they traded, um, who was it, Kane and Bogosian to Buffalo, and I think, like, a pick or something. But for Drew Stafford and Tyler Myers? Yeah. And that's like a big, that's a pretty big trade. But it's also but a it, very blind yeah, trade. But it, it's a big in number, has and either, it didn't do has anything. Either team like gone gangbusters after that. No, and it that's their, bi- that's their biggest the, trade, the, the too. Eric Johnson Blues trade, where you're like, this sort of worked out for both yeah, teams. Yeah, nothing really happened. Amaze either team. Yeah, I mean, I just. That's as, like his only trade. As That's incredible. He's been there since 2011. As. Up, and I say this with all due respect to Canadian teams, but as uptight and antsy and just impatient as 
our fan base is, <laughs> as I, you and I are. Yeah. I can't imagine comparing that to Winnipeg, which is a small town and probably lives and dies by the Jets. This is all they got. Yeah. And there's no way they're going to want this guy around for three more years if he doesn't pull, you know, if he doesn't start changing his approach a little bit. And, you know, they have this big press announcement talking about the cadre of young stars that he's assembled for the team. And that's all well and good. But, like, for example, they picked second last year. Yeah, good job. He gets no credit (laughs) for picking Patrick Wine. That's who every GM in the league and myself would have picked in that. Like, if you'd made me GM for a day, I would have picked Patrick Wine at number two. It was well known. So, I don't know. It's, I, I do not like this extension. Maurice's may be fine, but, like, we joke about the Canadians and Mark Bergevin just being, like, frenetic all the time mm-hmm. and just being, like, frantic and crazy. And this seems like the opposite where it's like, you're sticking with these guys? With your one playoff appearance in six years? Like, okay. Uh, Shovel Day Off is 47. Which Alright, so we had some uh, technical difficulties, if you will, and were interrupted, but we're back now and continuing in our brand new butthurt, <laughs> not butthurt segment. It didn't like our segment. It did not. It was very offended. So uh, we were finishing up the discussion of the... Uh, Jets and their extensions for the coach and GM Shovel Day Off deciding both were butthurt. Uh, let's move on to the Nashville <laughs> Predators. The question number three, and you'll do the countdown, is will Nashville fans be butthurt if their team falls back to Earth Sun this year? All right, we're going to try a silent one. We're going to okay. go on one. But butthurt. Not <laughs> I'm going with not butthurt. I, I also meant to go with not butthurt, but I just wanted to say butthurt. It's yeah. so fun to say. Yeah, here's the thing. Nashville fans don't care about hockey. Um, <laughs> they did last they year. They did but... for a while. It's just a trendy city, I feel like. And I don't think they're going right. to be like trendy unless the team is trendy again, and then the question's kind of answered. Uh I think you're right. It's it's a weird thing to think of Nashville as a trendy city, but there's just so much other stuff going on, and it was their first. I'm gonna say you know big success. I mean, well they've never made they've never made it that far. So yeah, so I think even that they can kind of rest on you know like hey we did a little bit better than we thought we were gonna do anyways. Yeah. So I if I were a Nashville fan, I wouldn't go crazy over it if they didn't do as well as they did last year. But yeah, that's kind of why I'm going not butthurt. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. You know, they could be very angry. Speaking of people that might be very angry, <laughs> uh, will the Chicago Blackhawks be butthurt or not butthurt? Will their fan base be butthurt or not butthurt if the Artemi Panarin uh, deal goes poorly? All right, we'll go audible this time okay. because maybe this, will, yeah. <laughs> maybe this will help. So three, two, one, butthurt. not butthurt. I'm going with butthurt on this one. Uh, I could see both. But. I think it will be butthurt if Artemi Panarin does really well mm-hmm. where he's going <laughs> into that <laughs> mythical land known as... Columbus. Yes. Uh, it will not be butthurt, I think, if they just don't have a great year. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to blame this issue. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm going not butthurt. I just don't think... No, not butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, not butter because I just don't think they'll they'll blame 
that if they if they do poorly. Though I think if they don't make the playoffs or they're they'll a wild blame Corey Crawford. Yeah, or they'll yeah they'll blame something weird, and they might very well have the the right the right idea too to blame whatever's going on. But I just don't see the Panarin sod trade being the thing that sinks this team. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. Other things obviously. will sink this team. <laughs> yeah, they'll be sunk. Don't doubt that. Um, so moving on to the Central Division uh, for the upcoming season, we'll start with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Blackhawks are obviously a team that has been very successful over the last decade or so, and they made a lot of moves. I would say number more moves than they usually make in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll try to run through these quickly. Take a deep breath. They signed Patrick Sharp, and they brought in Tommy Wingles, both on one-year deals. Tommy Wingles, actually from Chicago, but married a woman from Southern Illinois, and claims he's from St. Louis, because that makes sense. But he's none of those things, but we could have used him on the third line, and we got (laughs) screwed. Uh, Brian Campbell retired. Johnny Oduya signed in Ottawa, which is basically retirement. Uh, They went to the... uh, they went to the finals last year, which is the semifinals, which is still crazy. Marian Hossa uh, was retired by the mafia-like bosses <laughs> of the Chicago Blackhawks with a mysterious skin allergy that will take him out of action for a whole season. That's very peculiar. So I remember when I got the chicken pox and was out of NHL for a year. Um, <laughs> they traded Nicholas Jalmerson to the... Arizona Coyotes for Connor Murphy and Lorin Dauphin. Uh, they, I think the the biggest loss there will just be missing hearing Doc Emmerich say, Jonelson! <laughs> uh, he has so much fun when he calls hockey games. And then, of course, they traded Panarin to Columbus for Brandon Saad at Kane and Taves' command. Uh, what... Do you think about this team going into next year? Are they the Blackhawks of old? They're trying to be. I mean, they got Saad back. They got they signed Sharp back. They really want to be, but I don't think so. That they've got a core, their old core <laughs> that they're definitely going to make the playoffs with. But outside of those guys, you just got these young guys like um, Hartman and Nick Schmaltz, related to our own Jordan Schmaltz. Um, that just, I don't know, they got to step up if they want to be secondary help to propel this team to heights that they've reached before. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to be that for them. So it's a question of that. And it's I think Jarmelson's going to be a big loss for them, too. He ate up huge penalty-killing minutes. And I don't really think they have someone to fill that hole back there. And you can't really deploy, you know, a bunch of people to fill that one spot, especially on PK. So which is also a thing they were terrible at last year to begin with, with mm-hmm. Jarmelson, the PK. So, I don't know. I find them sinking. Not out of the playoffs, but just not nearly as good as they used to be. It's going to be a transition year. Yeah, I think this is a team uh, that is just not quite what they've been in years past. They're not quite as horrifying as they have been in years past, you know, I used to think, well, if, if the Blues can march into Chicago and get an overtime loss, I'll be very happy. <laughs> a point. I'll be thrilled. Um, I don't think that way about them as much anymore. 
Uh, they're still obviously a good team. They'll still obviously be a hard elimination in the playoffs. But you look at it, they lost in the first round two years in a row. Uh, once thanks to us, which was a great joy for many. Uh, and once this past year, thanks to a four-round, or four-round, four-game sweep by the Nashville Predators in which they scored three goals. Uh, so they're obviously a little bit on the downturn anyway. It seems like to me some of these moves are sort of panic moves. I know they won't admit that, but Simon Sharp, and, and it just feels like that. Um yeah, I just I don't think they'll be the class of this division anymore. No. I'm kind of surprised they were last year, really, and I think they weren't by the end of the season. No. They were just already up there. It know? was kind of a head-scratcher that yeah. they won the division. Um, moving on to the Colorado Avalanche, this is a team that... Wow. Um, <laughs> they, they signed uh, Niall Yakupov. All right. And... <laughs> Jonathan Vernier, similar reaction to one-year deals. They traded a fourth-round pick to Nashville for Colin Wilson. Just because. Why not, you know, (laughs) uh, to give what's-his-name a heart attack. I still can't remember. Elliot Friedman a heart attack when he thought that it was Matt Duchesne they were trading for Colin Wilson. Yikes. (laughs) Uh, Everybody knows Matt Duchesne wants out. Nikita Zadaroff is not yet re-signed and is very likely to go to the KHL. They have three NHL defensemen signed to their current roster, and they have a week starting six in the back end combined with three very good forwards. Uh, I texted my friend Jordan, who's now been referenced on good 80% of the episodes (laughs) of this show, and... Uh, asked him what he thought about the Avalanche this year, and he sent me back like a Microsoft Paint image of a flaming garbage can. <laughs> uh, so obviously not a lot of high hopes. He doesn't mince words. Abs fans. Uh, he made a couple interesting points since he's not here to speak for himself as our resident Abs expert. Uh, he pointed out that Varlamov is. Uh, in an interesting situation, having struggled a bit the past few years, and now bringing in Bernier, who's a very well-respected backup, has been a starter at times. It'll be interesting to see if Varlamov has that sort of halak Elliott situation, or if he can sort of rebound and kind of stake his claim to that net. Um, And Jordan also mentioned that they just have a ton, like an insane amount of players under 24, some of whom, like Yost and McKinnon, are possibly really top players going forward, some of whom are kind of not. They signed some college free agents, so who knows. But, uh, yeah, I think the best thing I could say about the Avalanche is that they know it's a transition year this year, Mm -hmm. whereas last year kind of caught everybody by surprise. Uh, But I do not think... It's going to be a very fun season at the Pepsi Center. What do you think? What are they? I mean, what's the transition? They're kind of a, they're a bad team, but they have good players. You have Duchesne. Well, they have (laughs) they have Duchesne and Landeskog and McKinnon, and McKinnon even had fifty plus points last year on a terrible team. So like these are still good players, and they need to surround them with something. But at the same time, if you want to get anything, you kind of have to trade away yeah, your good it players. Is a, it's a little strange because McKinnon 
is so good. Duchesne and Landis Cog are very good. And yet, like, that's the kind of young core that you would think you would build a team around, and yet you know Duchesne can't stay there now. No, he's gone. And Landis Cog has been really disliked. I, I get the feeling he's kind of disliked in Colorado because he had that amazing first season, and they probably... Toss the C on him a little fast. toss the captain's C on him. And so you've got McKinnon, who's the one truly elite talent of the group. And, like, do you build around McKinnon, or do you just do a total teardown and rebuild? I don't think you I think can McKinnon's not a center, him. right? He can be. I think he's a center in a wing. He just doesn't feel like a... He feel, he's a great talent. He just doesn't feel like <laughs> a, a player piece. you build around. That's fair. He's your second piece, yeah. your second really good piece. I don't know. It's yeah. It's a confusing team with what they, what they need to do and what they will do. Yeah, uh, Joe Sackick's not good. No. So that's where you start. He's, he's you the anti-Steve Eiserman. Yeah, you start by getting a new GM. Uh, he's a very good player. I should clarify. <laughs> Tremendous player. Not every well, player is cut out to be a GM. They already had a amazing player becoming an amazing GM in Denver with John Elway. You can't have it happen in every sport, and the Nuggets have never had an amazing player, so it wasn't going to work out for Sackick. Um, so, I yeah. say looking at Dean Lombardi. That's the LA's old old GM, and he's out there and I exists. I think the Avs also have one of those weird situations where they have like an old, successful GM that would be willing to come back and be only their GM, but it's like, do you want that? Or don't uh, you? You know, I wouldn't. You kind of want outside eyes. Yeah, um, especially for a an evolving game. Uh, but not a lot of hope for no, the Cavs this they're year. They're basement dwellers again. I think they'll do better than last year. That's not saying literally anything. Yeah, hopefully they won't be robbed in the draft lottery again. I think that's their biggest, probably their biggest concern. I hope we get first this year. Uh, moving on to Dallas, uh, who signed Alex Radulov for too much money, or too long, I guess, and Martin Hansel for too much money. Um, they signed... Alex Radulov for five years, $31 million. And they signed Martin Hansel for three years at $14 million. The Radulov contract we talked about pretty fine, a little high with his free agency. Yeah. The Martin Hansel thing just, just strikes me as a huge mistake. I think, like a really yeah. poor, poor contract. He's only but, had 41 points as like as high, which yeah. was like two years ago. But he does have really good face-off percentage. Yeah, so, and he's but a do big you, body. But do I you pay that much? He's kind of like... Martin Hansel does have that, just he, that Ken Hitchcock stink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Along with Mark Methot, who they traded for from the from his, his long, long stint Storied. with the <laughs> Las Vegas Golden Knights. They'll miss him. Uh, I'm going to always refer to them as the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I don't care what their branding says. It's just going to be in my head. Uh, also, VGK is a horrible abbreviation. You so. don't like that? No. doesn't roll off the tongue for you? <laughs> VGK. Uh, they traded a fourth-round pick, which seemed high, to uh, sign Ben Bishop and extend him. They fired Lindy Ruff and hired Ken Hitchcock, and they have an amazing top three 
with Sagan, Ben, and Radulov. Uh, what would your uh, what would your big question mark be for this team going forward? I think their top three, like you said, is like an elite top five. Maybe or, the best yeah, in the league. That's, I mean, they're in the top five. Sagan and Ben first together line. is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Those three are most certainly top five first lines in the league. And then behind them, they've got a fine team forward-wise. I just think it's their defensive unit that leaves my head, you know, scratch my head a little bit. They have Mathot, who, as we talked about, is like a Ken Hitchcock-like blueprint player. The guy doesn't score. He's like a big body that plays just defense all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's Ken Hitchcock for you. Um, They have John Klingberg, who's a a fine sort of offensive two-way defenseman. But outside of those that top pairing, they don't really have very much back there. I know they've got uh, they've got. Honka, they've got Johns, they have Lindell, and they have an aging... Honka, Honka. Yeah, Julius Honka, I love that name. But they have an aging Dan Ham used to, who we looked up and is 34, and is like way, like way past his prime. When did we look that up, Dan? Oh, in the future. In the past? <laughs> Not now. In the dark ages, the non-existent audio file. <laughs> but, uh... Those four might be able to get it done, but on paper they're kind of subpar. But like we were talking about with Hitchcock... Does it matter? Hitchcock's just such a defense-first oriented coach, and he seems to take any team with any personnel and sort of warp them into this brick wall that I kind of think that he's yeah. kind I mean, of the he, perfect coach for when them. When he got here, who'd we have? Chris Russell, Carlo Koliakovo, oh, Roman boy. Polak. Yeah. Ooh, yikes. This, this is, <laughs> and Barrett Jackman. That were four of our six defensemen were those four guys. That's weird. It feels like a weird Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Like I used to think, that's fine. And now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, give me shivers. Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. I think he'll he'll just he'll just scheme and make it enough to like, yeah. compliment. He never had the offensive firepower here that he mm-hmm. has there. I do think, though, that this year... And maybe next year, because we don't know. He's like kind of on a one-year, every-year sort of deal. Um, I think this year, maybe next year, will be the Stars' best years with him. Yeah. Possibly their only years with him. But yeah. he's a guy that wears on players because he just demands so much. And I can respect that for sure, but it's just one of those things where he... I think he's going to wear out his welcome faster there than he did here. And it might just be an age thing, you know, mm-hmm. where he's just... he's. Going to be a little out of touch. I know he always talked about how he was changing the his defensive scheme around because he was learning and stuff. And I'm like, you're no, just you're, you're just feeding me stuff, man. I you know it's okay. Yeah. So, I see them doing well this year, maybe next year, but I don't think he's obviously a long term solution for them as far as a coach is concerned. Yeah. Ben Bishop's a big get for them. They've had two really bad. Oh underpaid yeah, that's goalies, a huge and now they change. Have two, pr- one pretty good, probably underpaid goalie. Uh, that's a that's a huge shift for them. Do they still have one of the Niemi? Niemi's yeah, they in still Pittsburgh, have then, so they got Lettman. <laughs> Who I, I can't. Whenever I, I mean, think as of a that. backup, as like the actual backup, I guess he's fine. Remember when he was I'm good sure though? Paid, paid Maybe the much. Blues were bad, but he used yeah, to stone the, the hell out of us. Flash. He is finished, right? Or did I make that? up? No, he's finished. He's uh, letting them in. Yeah, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> So when they win the division with Ken Hitchcock, mm-hmm. we will be bu 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 butt. Oh, I will. Um, the Minnesota Wild are a team that made most of their moves in house. Uh, they 
their big moves of this offseason were extending Mikhail Granlund and Nino Niederreier. They signed uh, Matt Cullen, who's an old, old man, uh, to a one-year <laughs> deal. Traded Marco Scandella and Jason Pominville and a fourth-round pick back to the Buffalo Sabres. I should clarify, only Jason Pominville is going back to the Buffalo Sabres. Poor man. Uh, Marco Scandella and a fourth-round pick have not been there before. Uh, <laughs> well, they've had a fourth-round pick. Anyway, um, <laughs> they received Tyler Ennis, Marcus Foligno, and a third-round pick, which is, I'm going to say, a meaningless trade, like a largely meaningless trade all around. It's just kind of a shuffling of personnel. I think Pomville had like a kind of gross contract, so they're just like, here, you Buffalo, you can take them. Yeah. Um, they have some great top-end talent with Stahl, Niederreiter, Koivu, Granlund. Uh, Zucker. Zucker's really fast. Yeah, he's like, he's, really good, he's like a he's better really magpie. Yeah. Uh, I We saw this team listed in a kind of a ranking of playoff contenders, and they were in the highest category of like legit a cup, cup contenders. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just don't see that for this team. I mean, I think we we kind of forget in our own, you know, kind of basking in our own glory, we kind of forget that this is a team that lost in five games to a very not particularly good Blues team. No, not at all. Um, They had a 12-game stretch last year, like we talked about with the Blue Jackets. 12 games where they won straight, how, what do you call that? A 12-game streak. <laughs> I'm not so good with the words late at night when recording didn't work. Uh, so, like we talked about with the Blue Jackets, if they go, let's say, 8-4, and four, which is a very good stretch of games, they lose, obviously, 8 total points, and they fall behind the Blues in the standings. And if they went 6-6, six and six, which isn't a terrible stretch of games, they tie Nashville for fourth place. So you can't assume that they replicate a 106-point season uh, with that big outlier in the middle there. They have, I think their defensive core is really stout. Yeah. They do have that. That's underrated for sure. Yeah, in terms of it's just, it's really steady and solid. Mm-hmm. It's not exciting in any way. Um, <laughs> well, Suter gets a lot of assists, but that's because he's out there for essentially half the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's steady, and they've got Dubnik, who is good, I think. <laughs> he's freakishly I, tall, that's why he's so tall. good. He looks strange. He's the milkman. <laughs> no. Or is that somebody That's else? Darcy Kemper. Oh, that's Darcy and Kemper. he's gone. Excuse me. Curtains. <laughs> Curtains for <laughs> Kemper. Oh, um, man. Uh, that was good. I thought of it first, patented. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're a very good team this year. I think they're a playoff team. Do I see them as, like, a Premier Cup contender? I do not. They kind of feel like the Blues, where it's like, this is going to be a good team, but... When you make it to the playoffs, I don't know if anyone can be like, oh, this is a for sure team in the finals. Then, even if they make the playoffs, they still have poise. Oh, yeah. we, Yeah. Uh, They still have their head coach, whose name is not Randy Carlisle. Help me out here. I see his face. Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux. And 
I don't think that guy can win in the playoffs. I think I literally think he can't at this point. I I cannot ever see him winning no. a Stanley Cup. When he goes home, his wife has to mash up his yeah. dinner so he doesn't choke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, um, yeah, that was that was very solid. Um, yeah, I just, man, I don't know how you brazen this team in the top uh, playoff contenders. I think we've lost Ian. I think he's gone at his own job. Died by self humorization. Uh, we'll move on to the Nashville Predators. Oh wait, you have a comment? No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. Um, they also made some in-house moves, signing uh, Ryan Johansson for too much money and Victor Arvidsson for too long. That's There's who, a trend. That's who I wanted to say that about when I earlier jumped the gun with the with the Wild, but it's kind of or with the Stars, but it's kind of true for both. Uh, Johansson eight years at eight million a year, way too much. Uh, Arvidsson yeah. seven years at four point two five million a year, way too long. Uh, they signed. <laughs> Nick Bonino for four years at four point one million a year, which is both way too much and way too long. Yeah, <laughs> slightly too long, slightly too much, which is kind of the free agent. Yeah, ceiling. that's what you get. Scott Hartnell, who I believe was curtained in um, Columbus, he mm-hmm. was he was straight cut, right? He didn't get the he was bought out. I think. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Uh, for a one year, one million dollar deal, and they traded a third round pick to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights for Alexi Emelin. Uh, they lost James Neal to Las Vegas. They lost Mike Fisher to Carrie Underwood's warm embrace <laughs> and retirement. It sounds like he died. <laughs> and then breaking earlier today, and forgive me if we've already announced this because I'm not sure where it fell on the original recording, but I think we haven't. Uh, it was announced earlier today that Ryan Ellis is going to miss... Four to six months, which is most of the season, mm-hmm. uh, with surgery. I think it was a hip injury, maybe or lower body. <clears throat> that's oh, all I remember. Course. Naturally, um, <laughs> there are only two kinds of injuries in hockey. Uh, so a lot of minor moves, and then that huge change. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your kind of storylines for this team moving forward into this year? For me, I wonder about Benino playing second-line center, which I think is what they're going to try to do, and it just seems like that's not really where he fits. He's more of a complementary player, meaning bottom six, essentially meaning like your third-line center. But I think they're going to try and play with second-line, and I don't think it's going to work as well as they hope for. No, 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 and it's their, not today. <laughs> and it's their own problem because... You go, okay, we'll put Benino on the third line. Who do we put on the second line? Uh, nobody. So they kind of have to. Yeah. Um, and then my other thought was Arvidsson, that contract we had talked about a little earlier was that, like, that's kind of an acknowledgement on both sides between Nashville's front office and Arvidsson that, like, that 60-point season might be a... It's a stretch. It yeah, feels like a might stretch. Might be a little flash in the pan. I still see him getting 50 I think points. he's a good player. Oh, no, yeah. discredit him in any way, but... I just don't think he is the top end player that maybe people are trying to make him out to be, or right. talking about him as. He's definitely more of like a fifty point player, I would guess, maybe, you know, forty to fifty. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he does as well as he did last year, because I think Johansson and um, 
their Swedish player, Forsberg. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know why. That yeah, I don't know why. I want to say Sven Fata or something. Dips. But, yeah, I think Forsberg and Johansson will do the same just as fine. I don't know why I think Arvidsson will be the only one that drops off. But I think he just had a, high, a lower profile coming in. Yeah, that might be why. You knew Vic- Victor. Philip Forsberg, Sven Forsberg. <laughs> That's what I want to say. going to be a very big deal. Um, Joe Hansen, you've known about for a long time. Yeah. Again, not to parrot what we said with uh, Winnipeg, not Winnipeg, Minnesota, but yeah. are these guys elite cup contenders without Ryan Ellis no. most of the season? I, I they just, definitely, they're the same team, basically. They could, they could, they're they a wild will, card They will do really well in the season, and then they could get hot mm-hmm. and be dangerous. But I don't think they're necessarily elite when you really look at it as a cup contender. No, I would say though that they sense. have an incredible defensive unit. Even without Ellis, I yeah. think may still be the best in the league. Well I think Emlyn makes them a lot more physical. He definitely yeah. likes to step up on opposing forwards. And I've seen it. I've How seen many it. concussions will he cause, what does he cause? this year? Oh Over no two and a half. <laughs> What's Robbie Fabry gonna look like when he gets plastered <laughs> on the boards by Emlyn's hip? Oh no. Um oh, it's dear. it's a true thing. He's done it a lot when he's been on the Habs, so I'm just saying watch out. Habs. <laughs> uh, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to say about this team. And Probably their goalie. What it was. Oh, uh, two more things. Yeah, I think Pekka Rene is a big storyline for this team as I gaze into the puck that he Signed for personally, me. personally, in person when he called me his son and said he was very proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, was he having an embolism? <laughs> I think so. Uh, he's entering his age 34 season, he will be more than adequate and mm-hmm. less than elite, is my projection. <laughs> Uh, I think he's slowing down, and he's 34. He's a goalie. We've seen this with Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. We've even seen it with Flurry. We've seen it with a lot of goalies. It just happens. You can't. That level of flexibility is not as easy when you're 34. Um, it's hard to come back from injuries. Especially from a hip surgery that, yeah. that Brené had a couple years ago. I don't think he's going to be a problem, but if this team has a problem, I think it'll be him. And so who's like, behind them? Yeah, when you're when you're projecting a season and you think what could be the storylines for this team, that's just the question mark I have. How mm-hmm. will his his health hold up, and what other options do they have if he goes south? The other thing I wanted to say was this is a team that has a really good top three, and they're really deep. But I feel like their top three is a little overrated in yeah. terms of. We talk about elite, and that's a word that you hear a lot. I don't think any of those guys are quite elite. Mm-hmm. I think Philip Forsberg is maybe better than Jaden Schwartz, but not like a lot better than Jaden Schwartz. And he's put on the. He's Tarasenko probably got a little more level. of a. I think he's got more of a scoring touch probably, than Schwartz. Yeah, but yeah. But I don't think he's Tarasenko. No. And I certainly don't think he's an Ovechkin or a Line A or anything on that level. Joe Hansen, probably better than Stasny, but not a lot better than Stasny. I was going to say, he's a, he's a better Stasny, yeah. And people are putting him in the, you know, and his contract is putting him in the Crosby, you know, Scheifele category. Um, I don't know why I named those two. <laughs> the <laughs> two centers. It. I couldn't name McDavid, though. McDavid be damned. Um, yeah, I just, not to crap on them, as I, we said before... In the, in the Twilight Zone, um, we 
I think they're players we'd love to have on the Blues, but they're not players we're, like, dying to have on the Blues. Yeah, I think know? Elite gets inflated a lot. You might yes. have, like, an Elite player or two on every team. You're not going to have, like, your top line of three, especially right. those guys. Yeah. Uh, so, moving on to the... Uh, making sure my alphabet is good. Last but not least, Winnipeg <laughs> Jets. Um, and this is a team that I've cooled on just in the space of recording two podcasts. One <laughs> podcast, twice. Uh, they signed Steve Mason for two years, $8.2 million, which is... All right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing they did. Uh, they signed Dmitry Kulikov for three years at twelve point. Nine $9 million, which why not just 13 at that point? I don't I, know. Yeah, I looked it up. And I was like, just give them the extra. <laughs> uh, this is a team that's like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It's like if you tried to stand a sledgehammer up on like the ground on its, <laughs> on its handle. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't work because it's so top-heavy. Yeah. Right? They have four amazing forwards, two of whom are no question elite in Scheifele and Line A, and two of whom are probably as close to as good as those guys we were just talking about with Nashville in Ehlers and Wheeler. Ehlers and Wheeler. (laughs) Uh, Scheifele is one of the more underrated players in the league, I think. He put up 82 points last year. Um, Really elite talent. Yeah, on a team that didn't make the playoffs. But... They are so weak after that at every position. They do. They have uh, Dustin Bufflin on defense and other people, I guess. Jacob Truba's okay. Tyler Myers okay. Dmitry Kulikov's an expensive mistake. That is not what I would call a stout defense, though. Uh, I can't name like half of their bottom six. We should know know who they are because... They destroyed us. Well, because we went 0-5 against them, but also because they're always the same people because their GM doesn't make trades. Yeah, true. He does not. He makes zero trades. So it's Perot... And it's Brian Little, and it's other people. I'm going to look up their roster, because I really don't know who's (laughs) on this team. Um, I kind of entered tonight thinking I was going to say, man, I think the the Jets could make a run this year. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, I don't know that the Jets will even do as well this year as they did last (laughs) year. I was like, yeah, I'm with you. I think they take a step back this year. I think part of that is accompanied by, I think, Patrick Wine takes... uh, I wouldn't say a step back as much of it as a hiccup. Had 70 points last year, 40 goals. He's That's not just a lot. Doing that again. I think he's a really great player uh, who was probably a little, I think the league was a little unprepared for him last year, and I think they're going to game play around him. Mm-hmm. And just, just cool him off a little bit. You know, I could see 60 points and 30 goals. Very I mean, Tarasenko's not hitting 40 point, or forty goals every year, right, so, exactly. yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Um, Adam Lowry, Marco Dano, John Morrissey, Nicholas Piton, Brandon Tanev, Joel Armia. These are the kinds of bodies that <laughs> Sean Mathias. I've heard these names. Ben Chirut, Kyle Connor, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, they're fine-ish, but... Like, do, I don't there's know. There's nothing. There's really nothing after those top four. I always hear that they're 
pipelines just stacked, and I kind of maybe it's where is it? <laughs> maybe maybe it's, I was gonna say maybe it's further down. They're all really young, but yeah. I just don't see it. And uh, Steve Mason as your goalie back there is just kind of his best year was three years ago, or yeah. that was at least his last good year. So are they bringing him in to rep- like to be the starter over Hellebuck? And if they I don't are, know, should they? Be? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It seems like Hellebuck should just be... Are they any better off with Mason than Pavlik, other than just, like, new... Pavlik was... Emperor's new clothes sort of thing? Yeah, Pavlik was bad last year, but then the Jets were so bad, and he did okay in the HL that they brought him back up. So I don't know who's the the better team, who's the better player. like Matt Murray's backup or something? What's his face backup? Lundqvist's backup. Lundqvist's backup, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rough. Yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, I just don't... I thought this was a team that would contend, and now I do not think they're a team that will contend in this division. So to kind of round us out, what do you think you see the standings as at the end of this upcoming season? I always like to be real boring and put the Blues at third, because then it feels like... Yeah, like I'm not overestimating them, but I'm not underestimating them. I'm saying they'll be a playoff team. (laughs) Um... So that's kind of where I would put him again to be real boring. It's like when you steal second base, but you do it when you're down by three runs in the ninth, so the pitcher doesn't even throw over. He goes, know, whatever. I'm adventurous, but this has scored a defensive indifference. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this just feels right. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I think Dallas wins the division as a quote-unquote surprise. Uh, I don't... Uh, all right. <laughs> I don't think it should be a surprise. Anyone that knows Ken Hitchcock well, he's going to turn that team around, and it's going to be... In a heartbeat. Yeah. Bu-bu-bu-butter. Yeah, they're going to skyrocket to the top. I don't know. I should say, I don't know they're going to just be outright the best team by, like, you know, a 10, 12-point gap. 17 points. <laughs> but I do think they'll probably win it, win the Central. I'd put Minnesota behind them. Maybe Minnesota gets ahead of them, but we'll say they do just as good as last year and come in second. We'll put the Blues at third. Um, and the Blackhawks behind the oh, Avalanche? Oh That's what you're saying? Oh, no. The Blackhawks will be a wildcard team, but they'll be that first wildcard team. Because they can't... They can't the Avalanche <laughs> as the second wildcard team? We'll get that out of the way. And so the Avalanche are I'm, at the I'm, very I'm bottom. Trying, Jordan. Oh! Uh, he has uh, no faith. He has no faith. So, yeah, I think it goes Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis... Chicago in the first wild card spot, and then I'm just gonna say Nashville's probably in the second wild card spot too. Well, two in the second one, um, because I don't think Calgary or LA is gonna be good enough to grab that second spot, at least in my mind. And then I think there's gonna be a big gap between Nashville and uh, Winnipeg, a lot bigger than there was this year between Dallas and Winnipeg. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Avalanche are just playing with themselves at the bottom. I don't want to steal your big splash, but I think your analysis of the Stars is very correct. I think Ken Hitchcock and Ben Bishop will fix what's been wrong with that team. Yeah, former Blue and Properties. Won this, they won or came in second the year before last, so it's not like a shock. Yeah. The shock was missing the playoffs. The mm. return to the normal wouldn't be the shock. Uh, I th- I'm not sure about this division this year. I think it's all mixed the top up. five teams could finish in pretty much any order, and I wouldn't be shocked with the counting the Stars as one of those five. Mm-hmm. I could, I literally could see the Blues finishing fifth to first. I could see 
I don't think the Wild would finish below third. I yeah, they don't feel like they would be a wild card team at all I, to me. I don't see Nashville moving above a wild card spot without Ryan Ellis. And I see it pretty much how you see it. I would probably say, if I had to like write down numbers, I would say yeah. Minnesota. I would say Dallas. I would say the Blues because I don't want to say We never want to put them in a wild card else. spot. That's so sad. Right. And you're not a true fan if right. you say that. <laughs> not a true fan. <laughs> and I would say probably the 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 Blackhawks then Nashville. But I do think all five of those teams are making the playoffs. I mm-hmm. think three will come out of the Pacific. And I could see our number four or number five yeah. beating the Ducks or whoever the number. I could see it. I'm not saying yeah. it'll happen, but I could see it happening mm. in the playoffs. I think this is the best top-to-bottom division in hockey, probably, in terms of at least the most Even, even. despite the Avs? Yeah. And, well, top to second. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but every team has, like, a real... Every division has a clunker. You know, I think yeah. the Avs... The difference between the Avs and, like, a Coyotes is that the Avs have some top-end talent. Has it, has Coyotes it, yeah. have more, like, overall talent, but not the top. Has it occurred to you that the Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings are both just terrible now? No. <laughs> and they not. both used to be the toast of the town, and that was it, like, I don't know, 15 years ago yeah. or whatever? And now they're just both just garbage. They were football oh. 15 years ago. That warms my heart. Yes, that is a nice thought to close on. Uh, <laughs> I will give you this also as a freebie because I'm very excited about it. If you're a fantasy football player and you're in a league that doesn't pay a lot of attention, Kareem Hunt might be on your waiver wire still. I drafted him as the <laughs> starting running back of the Chiefs, and he's put up 27 points tonight wow. against the uh, feckless New England Patriots. <laughs> so... I'm very excited. I'm pretty pumped. After, after I should say, he's a rookie who fumbled on his first NFL snap and lost the fumble to the Patriots. Very first play of the Chiefs' <laughs> offensive game. So he could have been benched, but he wasn't. So two touchdowns. I'm very stoked. Probably means nothing to you and a weird end to a hockey oh. podcast. But I had to say it because we rant about what's important. Do Speaking I get... of which, how's that off row, Ian? Oh, it's very good. Do I get to make a plug? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't have one. I'll think oh, of one later. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Beer, it tastes uh, good. Yeah, the good news is this podcast has recorded to the end this time. Uh, it's probably a little abbreviated because we went through the whole thing twice, but that will prepare you better for the upcoming weeks in which we do... Uh, only two or only one hour shows, but we do them weekly. So uh, with that in mind, we'll see you next week talking about Traverse City and any other news and ideas that pop into our heads. Uh, Thank you for listening and good evening or whatever. (laughs) Pick the time of day. I'll just say good blank and you can insert the time of day that you were listening to this. (laughs) See ya.